First John is what we're going to be talking about. Um, I'm sorry, we're going to be studying out of First John. And, uh, and I, I know I mentioned this last Wednesday, I mentioned it last Sunday, but on Wednesdays we're going through the book of John, and on Sundays we're going through 1 Corinthians. And so I want to encourage you, uh, go to the next chapter and study ahead. So on Sunday we're going to be talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 5, so go ahead and start studying it, take notes, come here. Put the notes out in front of you, and let's see if I talk about the same things that jumped out at you while you were studying. And uh, if not, you'll have two sermons there, one's yours and one's mine, and uh, we'll just learn the Word of God uh, together. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking about arrow-minded. On three, real loud, say arrow-minded. One, two, three. Arrow-minded. Oh, you sound good. All right, everybody this time. One, two, three. In contrast, arrow-minded, in contrast, would be narrow-minded. So uh, people who pursue Jesus, people who love Jesus, people who want to have a relationship with Jesus are not narrow-minded, they're... That's what I'm talking about. They're arrow-minded, not narrow-minded. Uh, I, I met a, uh, a, a lady a couple years back. Her and her husband were real good friends of, of Allie and I, and uh, we went out to eat and with them, and um, we all ordered dessert, and she didn't have any. Um, and we went out to eat with them again uh, a few weeks later. We ended up developing a real good friendship with this couple. She didn't have dessert again, and she didn't have dessert again, and she didn't have dessert again. And finally, uh, you know me, uh, what's up with that? You know, um, she was real fit, worked out a lot. And her husband pipes up and says, six years ago, she decided she wasn't going to have any more desserts, period. And since then, she's pro- he said, I can count on one hand in the last six years the number of times that she's had desserts. And so I asked her the question that all of you guys are thinking right now. Are you okay? Are you well? Are you all right? And so I said, what about your birthday? And they're like, no. Thanksgiving, my goodness. We just hurry up and finish eating meat so we can have dessert. She's like, no, never. Four or five times in six years. Now let me ask you a question. Is that narrow-minded or is it arrow-minded? Arrow-minded, exactly. Arrow-minded is when you have a lifestyle in mind and you are focused on it and you have no intention of deviating from the plan. This is the plan. Other people may not like it. They might like it. They might agree with it. They may laugh at it. They may scoff at it. But I am arrow-minded. I was watching, um, uh, I, I can't remember who it was, um, uh, I think it was Will Smith. Will Smith and, uh, was on The Tonight Show, or she, he was on, I can't remember what he was on, this was years ago, and uh, uh, they asked him, they said, how in the world uh, have you and Jada Smith stayed married after all these years? 
And, uh, and when all the other people in the movies and Hollywood, you know, they stay married for like 48 hours and it's like, peace out. Um, and uh, they said, you've been married to Jada for like 20 years. How have you done it? And he said something very interesting. He said, well, me and my wife, we just decided that divorce was not an option. It's just not an option. Okay, so does that mean that they are narrow-minded? Or does that mean that they are arrow-minded? You see the difference here. It's arrow-minded. There are certain things that are just not optional. It's not an option. And so for us, for people who love Jesus Christ, for people who hell or high water, um, our family is going to be walking on streets of gold, whether I got to drag my kid there or not, right? Is that narrow-minded or arrow-minded? It's arrow-minded. It's, it's, it's focused. It's, this is how we live our life. And so what Paul talks, I'm sorry, John, uh, what John is talking about here, he's a grandfather at this moment. He's old in his years. He's running maybe one or two more laps, figuratively speaking, and then he's going to pass away. And he's overseeing these churches. Uh, most of the apostles by this point have passed on. They're dead. Um, uh, they, they have been beheaded or crucified stoned. Um, and so he's one of the last of his Christ followers and, and he's trying to get people to be arrow minded. And so I'm going to point out about seven verses in the, this chapter. And, uh, and so let's just dive into, um, uh, the first one right here. Uh, it reads like this, everyone who believes, this is in John chapter five, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ has become a child of God. Now, I'm sorry, everyone who believes that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, I'm sorry, I butchered it. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. So he's saying two things here. He's saying, if you believe that Jesus is not just a normal guy, that he is the son of God, you're a child of God. It's pretty awesome. If you believe that, you're a child of God. So I, I, I was um, preaching a, a few years back. I think our church was, uh, this was more than a few years back, about nine years ago. Uh, there was a lady in our church. She came to our church. She was sitting down. I'll never forget. She was sitting right over here on the, on, uh, we were at Sally Ride Elementary School. She was all the way to the right. And she was sitting on the second row and she was just looking at me like this. And you know when someone looks at you like that, you start wondering, <laughs> right? You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, she was just, and afterwards she came up to me and she goes, does, does your belief system say that it's not by the things that I do that I get saved? It's just that if I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm saved. I don't have to do anything. I was like, yeah. And she couldn't get it. She was like, what? 
because she had been exploring all these different religions and all these different religions had all these check marks and things that you had to do in order to be saved whereas the Bible is saying crystal clear here that if you believe in Jesus Christ as the son of God if you believe him then you're saved so if there's anyone here if there's anyone here that you're in the back of your mind you're wondering I wonder if I'm saved I got great news for you. And if you're taking notes, write this down. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth, if you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you're saved just by acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What an awesome gift. Now let me say this. If you already knew that... You need to memorize that verse because there's people all around this world that feel like they've got to jump a certain pole or jump through a certain hoop to be saved. And that is not the case. So raise your hand if you believe, don't raise your hand yet, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that when he died on the third day, God pulled him out of the grave. Raise your hand if you believe that. I just want you to know that you have a reservation in heaven. Isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? That is so cool. You have a reservation in heaven. Um, Now, perfection is not the issue. So the next time you want to beat yourself up, bang your head against the wall. I did something stupid the other day, and I thought about maybe I should put my head between the door and just slam it a few times. Have you ever wanted to do that? Just bam, bam, bam. Give yourself a swirly. Put your head in the toilet and just... If you've ever wanted to do that because you feel like you are just this horrible sinner, I just want you to know that Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9 says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So So none of us can boast about it. So none of us, when we get to heaven, can walk around like those kids in high school. You know those kids that walk around like their leg is broke. You know, nobody can think that they're the stuff when they get to heaven. Nobody can walk around like, well, you know. Nobody, nobody can think that they are the man or the girl. Nobody can think that they are all that because it is a gift. There's nothing that anybody did to earn that reservation in heaven. Isn't that awesome? You know what? I think we should tell Jesus thank you for that. Can we just put our hands together for that? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Now, here's something interesting. It says this in that verse. And everyone who loves the Father, watch this. This is where it gets kind of tricky. Loves his children too. Everybody who loves the Father loves his children too. Now, just on the surface, we can go, got it, let's move on. That basically means, though, that everybody that raised their hand just a minute ago, you love them too. Let me see if I, I don't don't think I, I quite hit that spot. That basically means, though, that other people 
that acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they're Christians, you love them too. You know, it is so difficult sometimes, if we're going to be completely honest, to love people, even though they're Christians, when they're jerks. (laughs) Now, that's not in the New King James Version. It is so difficult to love people who are Christians so you can be a Christian and a jerk at the same time, right? I don't, I've, I, raise your hand if you've met a few of them. Just, they're, they're, they might be a Christian and God loves them, but it's a good thing God loves them because you don't know anyone else who does. <laughs> it is so hard to love people who are jerks. And when they're Christians, the Bible says, well, if you love God, then you love his kids too. It's like, well, can I love somebody else who's not a Christian to balance out? (laughs) To to balance out, because some Christians are are harder to like than non-Christians, right? I I tell this story all the time. When I used to live in Kingwood, I had this neighbor who was not a Christian, couldn't spell Bible backwards, frontwards, didn't want anything to do with it. But he was the nicest guy I've ever met. He was a drunk. He was an alcoholic. He had a big ice chest of beer. Every time I walked by, he'd go, hey, come on over for a beer. And I think to myself every time, you would be an awesome greeter at our church. (laughs) Like, you are so nice. In fact, you're nicer than a lot of Christians that I know. Have you ever thought that? You're nicer than some Christians that I know. And, and I, I just want to say that it is too easy to love everybody except for that one guy. Or love everybody except for that one girl or that one lady. Or love everybody except for that one person in your family tree. See, loving God's children is easy It's loving that one child that's hard. Are you with me? There's always somebody at the Thanksgiving dinner that you hope doesn't come. (laughs) Every family has one person that deep down inside you're going, I hope they don't come. Now... (laughs) (laughs) Now, really, we want them to come. We just want them to be very different than who they normally are. Was that better? Was that better? We want you to come. Just don't be like you. We love you. We just have a really hard time liking you. Right? There we go. I found it. Sometimes I got to go in circle and then I find the bullseye. I start on the outside ring and I just work my way in. Um, I, I like you. I, I, I don't like you, but I love you. And, and, and I, I want to just challenge all of us here. Uh, I could make this moment a lot more se- serious by talking about certain people in our family on how they hurt us and how they don't deserve uh, our affection and our love. Um, But we've got this conflict um, because the Bible is telling us clearly to love all of his children. 
And, and I want to say for the people that that's really hard to do, I want to challenge us to look at them differently. Um, I, I've been open about how I go to a, a marriage and family counselor on a some, I haven't been to her in a long time. I should probably schedule an appointment just to make sure I'm straight. Um, but uh, I go all the time, and I'm just like, hey. She goes, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, I don't know. Is everything okay? I'm like, yeah. You sure you don't want to talk? Yeah, I want to talk about it. I just I don't know what to talk about. How's your, how's your wife doing? She's doing good. Um, her dad is not doing good. Well, how's she doing with that? How are you doing with that? And then that's usually when it comes up. And I'll ask questions like, should I bring it up or should I not bring it up? You know, should I talk? Her dad is, has stage four cancer. So should I bring it up or should I pretend like it's not happening and let her bring it up? And I, I just let her coach me. I let her coach me. And uh, I feel like if I'm going to be the best husband I can possibly be, I could use some coaching. Um, and I just want to say, I don't mean this as a balancing statement. It's the truth. If I don't have the best marriage you've ever seen, I've definitely got the top three. But we work at it. We work at it. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I go to counseling whether I need it or not, just to tighten up the screws. Um, I always walk out feeling smarter and feeling wiser. And um, uh, what am I talking about? <laughs> what am I talking about, Rick? Counseling, yeah. Yeah, I got that. People I don't like at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Hold on, it's coming back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so, um, point number two. <laughs> no, I really want to get this out. All right. So, um, we've got uh, if. If I were to sit down, and I haven't done this uh, with her yet, but it's something I would do, sit down with my counselor and say, um, you know, I've got a real big problem with somebody, and I don't know how to deal with it. One thing that she's really good at is she helps me see them from a different perspective. As I see them from a different perspective, I, the compassion and mercy seems to shift and grow. Uh, and she asked me a question one time. She goes, um, tell me about your mom and your relationship with your mom. Well, my mom left when I was a young age, and she left for another guy, and it was really, really difficult on everybody. And she goes, so are you real angry at your mom? No, no. She said, how do you feel towards your mom? And this conversation was actually six months ago. And I said, I'm not angry at all towards my mom. She goes, you're not angry at all? I was like, not even a little bit. I said, you know, I feel like my mom has trouble loving people as she's got a handicap there. And because of that handicap, you know, I'm not going to get mad at her because she has a handicap. That's like getting mad at somebody in a wheelchair in front of me that's going too slow. I'm not going to get mad at somebody who has a handicap. And so she goes, well, clearly you have a relationship with God because that's not how people who don't have a relationship with God think. And uh, I just want to encourage us to see people from a different perspective. Um, let, let me give you another example. 
burglars, people who burglarize, who break in and steal, those people are really, really difficult to uh, like because they're thieves. But when you see them from a different perspective, all of a sudden you go from not liking them to loving them and caring for them. I've got a video clip here. Some of you may have seen it before, but this burglar is in court. And when you see him for the first time, initially, he looks like a complete thug. Um, But by the end of this video, you end up loving him and you want to be able to help him. But the only thing that happened is within a nanosecond, you see him from a different perspective. Take a look at this. Um, F15-13303. Okay, Mr. Booth, I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. Did you go to Nautilus for middle school? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry to see you there. I always wondered what happened to you, sir. Oh, my goodness. This is the nicest kid in middle school. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He was the best kid in middle school. I used to play football with him and all the kids. And look what has happened. I'm so sorry. Oh, my goodness. Mr. Booth, I hope you were able to change your ways. Good luck to you. Oh, my goodness. What's sad is how old we've become. Oh, my goodness. Good luck to you, sir. I hope you were able to come out of this okay and just lead a lawful life. Man, what, what am I, um... Okay, okay. See how that happened? In one second, he went from being a burglar to just being a guy that's made some mistakes. And who here does not have a heart to want to help that guy? But in one second, the only thing that happened is we all saw him from a different perspective. Let's go to this next point. And number, verse number three, loving God means keeping his commandments And his commandments are not burdensome. So being arrow-minded, being arrow-minded is this, God, what are your commandments? They may not be preferable, but if they're biblical, I'm all the way in. They may not be preferable, but if they're biblical, I'm all the way in. Let me just tell you something about God. You will be disappointed with God. This is so important, my goodness. You will be disappointed in the church and you will be disappointed in God unless you do all of what God wants you to do. If you only do half of what God wants you to do or 90% of what God wants you to do, you will always be secretly disappointed. I'm just telling you. A lot of people I know have are okay with 90% of what's in here. It's the 10% that gives them the indigestion. And it's the 10% that they try to sidestep. And wouldn't you know that they're only halfway impressed with God and only partially impressed with the church and not incredibly impressed with what he has to offer. You cannot... You cannot be completely fulfilled with God and only do this halfway. You can't. You can't. So whatever the commandments are, whatever he has, we have to be arrow-minded.
arrow-minded. Did anyone um, uh, here have a grandpa that they really liked? I used to have a, a grandpa that used to sit around and want to teach me everything, just constantly want to teach me. And this is what John was doing. He's a grandpa, and he's saying, hey, whatever the commandments are, do them. Watch this. Read this to yourself as I read it out loud. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 it says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your heart. Now, here's something very interesting here. Uh, if, if you've ever had um, a, a commandment that God has, and it's difficult for you to follow that one, Okay, um, most of us in this room, uh, you're mo- 90% of what God asks for is cake. It's the 10% that's a little bit challenging. Um, and everybody has a different 10%. So how in the world do you overcome that? And that's what this scripture is saying. He's saying, stay connected to the spirit and pray and worship in your heart all the time. And when you're doing that all the time, your appetite changes. Uh, what, what I've learned about myself is when I am not thinking about him, praying to him, singing songs in my mind and my heart and out loud like a beast in my car, um, when I'm not doing those things, I have a, a greater propensity to be angry, mad, bitter at the drop of a hat. Um, I got mad at every single person in a car yesterday. If you were in a car, I was upset with you. I had so many cars in my way. I was just like, why are all these people on the road? Have you ever wondered that? Why are all these people on the road? Get off the road. I'm the only one that should be on this road. And I got behind this car that I thought to myself, this car is going to drive to the front door of my house. I have been behind this guy for so long. They are going to drive straight to the front door of my house. And they are not going to go any faster than 21 miles an hour. And they're going to drive straight to the front door of my house. And I could feel the frustration getting higher and higher and higher. And I can just tell you that when I'm dialed in and my my mind's attention, my heart's affection is on him all day long... Those emotions don't have a chance. When those emotions are there, it's an indicator that I'm not dialed in. I'm above those things. My mind is above those things. It's just, it's almost like my, I'm just, when, when bad things happen, it's just like my mind is above it. My emotions on what I get mad at, this is what I want to say. What I get mad at and what gets me emotional is an indication of how close I am to God. How stressed I am is an indication of how close I am 
how angry or stressed out I am is an indication of how close I am, of how well I'm walking with him. And that's why he's saying, when you're together, worship God. And when you're by yourself, worship him. And the Bible says just that in your heart. So when you're together, worship out loud. When you're by yourself, worship in your heart. I kind of like it the other way around when I'm with you. (laughs) I'll do the heart thing. But when I'm by myself, bless the name of the Lord. I I just rock it when I'm by myself. Um, But the whole point is, is just stay in that vein. Stay in that vein. Stay in that vein. And what you will find are the things that make it so tempting to do uh, go against the scriptures. It just goes away. It goes away. All right. Let, let's let's go to this point number three, verse number four. For every child of God defeats this evil world when we achieve this victory through our faith. So this whole point is being arrow-minded. It's his strength, not ours. It's his strength, not ours. All right, I want you to say that like three times in a row. It's his strength, not ours. Okay, one, two, three, go. Everybody didn't participate. Okay, all right, one, two, three. All right, we got the hang of it now. One, two, three. It's. It's. All right, now watch this. How did the salvation take place? It didn't happen by your own strength. The way you got saved was his, not ours. The way you got saved was his. Now, when you have something in the world that's got a, it's like a, 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 everyone here bass fish? Like the bass fish, anyone here? Have you ever been bass fished? Not, (laughs) have you ever been bass fished? Um, Raise your hand if you've ever caught a fish. Let's start there. You have, you personally have caught a fish and reeled it in and grabbed the string and looked at it. Raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah. All right. That fish is in bad shape, isn't it? Like, it is in bad shape. It is like, and you know, (laughs) every once in a while, I'll fish in my friend's pond, and I'll catch a largemouth bass that's got a hole on the other side of its cheek, and and the guy that I'm fishing with are like, oh yeah, he's been caught before. I'm like, this poor thing <laughs> got holes all around his mouth. You need a different diet. These, are, these worms are killing you, man. <laughs> but you got holes all over your lips. But have you ever, have you ever? <laughs> Stop eating worms. Uh, <laughs> we know you like worms. All right. But <laughs> Sometimes we can feel like that fish. You just got a fish hook when it comes to this type of, of, of sin or this type of temptation. And what he's saying here is you defeat this evil and we achieve this victory through our faith. So how do you overcome the same way you got saved? Very good, Jamie. 
The same way you got saved, you overcome. The same way you got saved, you overcome. So how did you get saved? By Oh, man, see, we got about half of the room. The, the way we got saved was... The way we got saved was... Now, the way we overcome is going to be the same way, so it's going to be... So what do you need to overcome? What, what is it? What, what do you need to overcome? Do you need to overcome an anger issue? Do you need to overcome... What, what is it? What, what is it that you need to overcome? Um, and, you know, Paul talks about this, that, that nothing should rule our bodies. Nothing. Anger shouldn't rule your body. Food should not rule, rule your body. And, you know, I've I, been doing a lot of reading about the power of food. Food has become a drug that the church is okay with. And that's something. Man, we will, you know, uh, frown upon a drug that's traditional, but a non-traditional drug, we just kind of brush that off and go, yeah, it is good, isn't it? No, no, no. There's nothing that should rule us. There's nothing that we shouldn't be able to go, you can't rule me. You're not going to rule me. Uh, Not food, not a traditional drug. Not pornography, not anger, not jealousy, not criticalness, not negativity, not pessimi- not being a pessimistic jerk. Pessimistic and jerk goes together, by the way. Um, it, you know, a, a, a person that's so full of negativity and insults may not have any trouble at all with any other thing. But it's like, okay, hey, let's back up and realize that whatever it is that we're struggling with... It happens the same way. Not our strength, but His. Now, how does that happen? The same way you got saved. You come before God and you say, Lord, I am sorry for my sins. I want you to forgive me. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Salvation just took place. Now, how do you overcome? The exact same way. Dear God, this hook is in my mouth like a fish hook. I can't get it out on my own. I can't change. And that's when the psalmist said, Lord, create in me a pure heart and a steadfast spirit because we can't do it by ourselves. In Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will remove from you that heart from stone of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. It's all in faith in Jesus Christ. You get saved through Jesus Christ and you overcome through Jesus Christ. Everyone just put your hands together. Isn't that awesome? All right. Here we go. Let's go to this this next point right here. Um, Verse number 11. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has his son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Now, this is kind of a touchy subject for me, but I think it's only a touchy subject for me because I saw that Oprah show like 10 years ago, and it just bugs the mess out of me because I heard Oprah say, I think there's lots of different ways to God. There's lots of different ways. And and so this may only just be an issue for me, but it's not an issue for you. But anytime you ever hear somebody say, there's there's lots of different ways to God. You just go, Err. no, 
no, no. There's, there's, there's only one. There's only one. And that's what this is saying. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. It, it, is, it is just clear as day. Now, I heard somebody say uh, recently, it was actually today, uh, she said, you know, my, my sister does not like Christians, and she's always on Facebook talking about how much they hate Christians, how much she hates Christians. And I said back to her, I said, look, let's not talk about Christians. Christians did not save anybody. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's not talk about Christians. Let's not talk about the church. Let's not even talk about Billy Graham or Joel Osteen. Let's not talk about Christians. Christians is not the topic. The topic is Jesus Christ. How do you feel about what he did for you? Let's talk, let's let's say laser focus about that because according to the scriptures, if you have Jesus, and this is, this is arrow-minded, arrow, not narrow, arrow, arrow-minded. People who work out every single day, they're not narrow-minded, they're arrow-minded, right? People who work out and then quit, and then start working out and then quit, and then, that's not arrow-minded, are you with me? So arrow mind is like Jesus Christ. Let's stay focused on Jesus Christ. And, you know, I want to say this. Uh, anyone know the story about blind Bartimaeus? Go ahead. And if you've ever heard that blind Bartimaeus, read about it when you get home. It's in, in Mark chapter 10. There's this blind man and he's sitting there and he starts hearing this crowd. And he, he grabs somebody and he says, what's all the commotion? Why do I hear so many people? And they said, well, there's a man named Jesus in the crowd. And that's why they're so loud. And the Bible says that this blind man was sitting next to the highway. So let's see this scene together. You got all these people that are being loud And they're all talking and they're laughing and some of them are yelling and talking, whatever. Here's the thing. And he's sitting next to the highway. So here comes Jesus and all these loud people are talking around him and he's sitting next to the highway. Now, they didn't have cars in those days. So if you're sitting next to the highway and they didn't have cars, what was going up and down the highway if they didn't have cars? Animals. And so if you got a whole bunch of animals walking up and down the highway, what else is on the highway? Yeah. So now watch this. Blind Bartimaeus is hearing people that are borderline obnoxious in a very stinky environment. But Jesus is in the middle of it. Now what's blind Bartimaeus going to do? Does he come back up and go, it stinks and they're loud. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. They're loud and it stinks over there. No. He starts going, Jesus is over there. 
Jesus? The, is he the guy? Is, is he the guy that, that, that heals people? Is he the guy who say? is that the guy? Is that the guy, Jesus, the, the son of Nazareth, the, the son? Jesus! Jesus! But hey, don't you know, there's a bunch of loud people over there. Jesus! If you get over there near the highway, there's like, it stinks over there for a reason. Jesus! See, you keep your eyes on Jesus. The crowd, people are going to be people. And wherever there's people, I remember telling my mother and the Lord, I don't think I want to be in the ministry. She says, why? I said, well, you know, every once in a while there's some people that are kind of mean. She goes, well, then you can't work anywhere. <laughs> because wherever there's people, you're going to find some grumpy people. I'm like, ah, oh, all right, okay, all right, all right, all right, okay, 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 I get it, I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. We got that point? All right, let's go on to the next one. Uh, number five of seven. Verse number 14. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us, when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So we're narrow-minded that he hears us and he answers our prayers. Now, this is awkward because how many of you have had a prayer not get answered? But the Bible is sitting here saying, hey, we believe that he hears us. Now, it's very important what he does here. I just noticed this this afternoon because he doesn't necessarily hear everything. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. So he doesn't necessarily hear every prayer. Daddy, can I have some cotton candy for dinner? Blah, 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 blah. Right? When we ask, but since we know he hears us, when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. So now this is kind of awkward because all of us have prayers that he didn't give us. So now what? Um, I think this is the moment where we need to back up and remind ourselves who we are. See, uh, did anyone here ever see that movie 300? Probably half the men in the room and none of the ladies, but raise your hand if you've seen that movie 300. There's this really awesome scene. I should probably cue it up for Sunday. We don't have it today. But there's this really awesome scene because there's these 300 warriors and uh, he's looking at this group of farmers and these farmers want to go to war and he asks them the question he goes what do you do he goes I'm a farmer and then the this this soldier points at another guy and he goes what do you do and he goes well uh, I'm an I'm an ironsmith or a, whatever those guys are a what blacksmith I'm a blacksmith 
And he looks at another guy and goes, you know, and, and what do you do? He goes, you know, I'm a hunter. And he goes, that's good that you guys are all those things. And then he turns around to his 300 men and he goes, and what do you do? And they all yell in unison, we're soldiers. We fight. And this is a moment where you have to figure out what do you do? When, when you have not gotten an answer, what do you do? You back up and you say to yourself, I am arrow-minded. And I know that God hears me. He hears the prayers that pleases him. And he will answer them. And so if he hasn't answered them yet, I got to remind myself who I am. I am a prayer warrior. I war. What does a prayer warrior look like? Well, the Bible says to ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, this is what I do. I war. I ask, I seek, I knock. I ask, I seek, I knock. Well, you haven't got a yes yet. That really means nothing to me. I ask, I seek, and I knock. Well, he, hasn't, he didn't say yes yesterday. Well, today's the day. I ask, I seek, I knock. Well, four more hours and this day is over. Well, what are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to do what I did today. I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, and I'm going to knock. I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, and I'm knock. I go into beast mode whenever it's time to pursue something that I have got to get a yes on. I have to. Now, are, are there certain things that I ended up getting a no on? Yes. But there are certain things, like I prayed for uh, a, a, one of my great friends named Lana to be healed of cancer, and she died. Well, that chapter goes, that, that chapter is closed. And, I mean, she's in heaven. She doesn't want to come back. She doesn't want to come out of the grave. So, so that thing, that's closed, all right? So I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I'm, that's, on the, that's on the shelf to talk to God about when I get to heaven. But that has nothing to do with the rest of my requests. Just because I got a no there, that doesn't mean I'm going to get no's for the rest of my life. I'm going to ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. This is, now Now watch this. This is like what I call beast mode when it goes to prayer. Beast mode in working out in sports is when you go to another level that most people don't go to. I saw this really cool um, a graphic I want to show it to you about this lion. Everyone wants to be a beast until it's time to do what real beasts do. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to connect with everybody, but everybody wants to be a warrior until it's time to do what warriors do. Everybody wants to be a man and woman of faith until it's time to stand in faith. Everyone wants to live by faith until it's time to have faith. Everybody wants to stand and knock and seek and pray until it's time to knock, seek, and pray. And then we just back up and go. I don't know what God's doing. No, 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 no. This is what we do. 
This is what we do. We, we war. We pray. We worship. We seek his face. We pray. We seek. We worship. We seek his face. This is what we do. This is, this is what we're born to do. The, the, our life on this earth is not a picnic. It's a warfare. It's warfare. If you read your Bible, you realize we are in the middle of a war. And so when it's time to spiritually fight and it's time to pray, you know, one of the disciples came back and said, Jesus, why couldn't we heal this person? And and Jesus said back to him, these kind of healings only come through prayer and fasting. I, I know people, and you do too, that would go, well, if it only comes through prayer and fasting, well, I guess they're not getting healed because I'll be darned if I'm going to do that. You know, there's certain, it involves warring. It involves, sometimes it involves fasting. Sometimes it involves worshiping. Sometimes it involves reading your word. Sometimes it involves all of those things. This is what we do. This is, this is what we do. We worship, we pray, we seek, we knock. We worship, we pray, we seek, we knock. We live, be, we, we, faith is believing in what we can't see and being sure of what we hope for. This is how we live our life. And when it's time to live that way and then you don't live that way, it's like, well, hold on a minute. Are we living by faith or are we not living by faith? Living by faith is being sure of what you hope for. And if you're only sure of what you can see, then you're not living by faith. This is what we do. This is how we live our lives. When times get tough and the troubled waters start rising up, we back up and we go, it's by his strength, not ours. I live and breathe leaning on a rock, not on sand. This is how we live. This is, I don't know if this is sinking in, but when times get rough, this is what we're born to do. It's kind of like uh, Mike Tyson. It was so funny. It was one of the funniest things about Mike Tyson I've ever heard in my whole life. Um, Mike Tyson uh, is so interesting because I'm starting to realize that I'm getting older. There's people who have no idea who Mike Tyson is. Isn't that crazy? Raise your hand if you have never seen Mike Tyson. You did not know Mike Tyson when he was a boxer. Raise your hand. Thank the Lord. So Mike Tyson was the youngest heavyweight boxer ever. I think he was a heavyweight champion when he was like 19 or something like that. Right? He was just beast mode. And so he gets knocked out. And so um, everyone was kind of figuring him out. So he got this coach and he said, okay, look, Mike, your problem is, is every time you've gotten in the ring, you just come in and you hit them and bam, they go down. Well, they know that punch is coming. So... For the first 30 fights, they knew, they didn't know that you had that punch. Now they know you have that punch. You're going to have to mix it up a little bit. All right. Okay. And so he had to learn how to jab. He had to learn how to bob and jab and, and, and do this one-two combination. And, and he had it down. He had it down. He, in, in camp, he was going through the rope and, and doing all this kind of stuff. And he had a plan until he got punched. And all of a sudden, that plan went out the window, and he was no longer a boxer. He became a fighter. And you can't, a a fighter cannot beat a boxer in a boxing match. 
and, and it wouldn't get through his head. Mike, you just got punched. Just because you got punched, it doesn't mean you throw the plan out the window. And I would say this as your pastor, just because you're having a rough patch in life doesn't mean you throw the plan out the window. You're trained for this. You're trained for this. You're trained for this. You go, well, I might be trained for this, but I'm pretty weak. Well, that's awesome that you're pretty weak because it's not by your strength. It's by his. 